0: The Forum on Workplace Inclusion podcast is sponsored by U.S. Bank. Embracing what makes us unique creates more possibilities for all. Learn more at usbank.com diversity. U.S. Bank, member FDIC, equal housing lender. You're listening to the Forum on Workplace Inclusion podcast. We get to engage people, advance ideas, and ignite change because of the generous support from our community. If you find our resources meaningful or valuable, please consider supporting the forum today. Visit forumworkplaceinclusion.org slash donate. That's forumworkplaceinclusion.org slash donate. Thank you very much for your support and generosity. With that, I'd like to say thank you to all our listeners and subscribers. You help support the growth of the podcast and reach new listeners. If you like what you're hearing on the forum podcast, please consider writing a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you've already written a review, thank you. Please consider sharing our podcast with a friend, family member, or a colleague you think might find value in the content. Word of mouth is the best way the forum grows, so thank you very much for listening and sharing. Thanks again, and enjoy the show.
1: Hello and thank you for joining us for this special follow-up podcast interview with Farzana Nayani of Farzana Nayani Consulting and Training and Lisa Strack of Bank of the West. I'm Ben Rue, Program Coordinator here at the Forum on Workplace Inclusion. Last week Farzana and Lisa presented an outstanding webinar for us entitled Engaging ERGs to Create Impact During These Current Times, which had over a thousand people registrants, close to 1,100, and over 700 attendees. As you can imagine, with, with that many participants, we were not able to get to many of the questions that were asked during the Q&A. Thankfully, Barzana and Lisa have graciously agreed to do this follow-up interview so that we could continue the conversation and answer some, of the, um, some more of the great questions that we weren't able to get to. But before we jump into the questions let's do a brief introduction of who you are and recap of what we of what was discussed on the webinar for those who didn't attend or just need a refresher
2: sounds great hi everyone lisa strack here uh, my work within DNI has spanned uh, about 15 years and really excited to share my background in helping organizations attract, develop, and retain diverse workforces as well as optimize ERGs within organizations. And so uh, currently in financial services, I am serving in a role of diversity recruiting program officer where I'm helping to build out that uh, diverse pipeline of talent. Farzana?
3: yes everyone great to see everyone here again my name is Farzana Nayani my pronouns are she her and hers i've been doing diversity equity and inclusion consulting for over 20 years i've been fortunate to work with different corporations nonprofits startups school districts and tech companies to look at how to incorporate diversity equity and inclusion into the workplace and and workforce and, and throughout the organization and really looking at employee resource groups is a way to incorporate the engagement of employees. So, so excited to be here today, joining Lisa for this discussion.
1: Thank you both for being here again. Why don't we um, just go over, again, for those who weren't able to actually um, attend the webinar um, and, or those who did and just need a refresher, just what, we dis- or what you discussed or, um, during the webinar.
2: Sure, I'll give an overview of that, Um, the content that we had shared last Wednesday. So Farzana and I really took an opportunity to recognize and uh, look at the state of the world, given the pandemic caused by COVID-19 and the reckoning that is taking place with systemic racism against the African-American community, not to mention the xenophobia of Asian Americans. Specifically, we talked about the impact that can be felt right, with the economy, 44 million Americans filing for unemployment, the isolation of social distancing and being shut in, the strain on families to homeschool children and also be productive at work, all compounding pressures to impact our psychological and physical well-being. And so we connected that with ERGs and how they're so important in today's world to bring community, belonging, and just really having an opportunity to connect with one another. And so that's really an overview of what we talked about. I mean, there's a lot of content in the webinar. I would encourage anyone listening to this podcast to go and uh, take a listen. Uh, You know, Farzad and I are happy to reach out and, um, you know, explain additional topics or things you may have questions on. Uh, But we're excited here to talk through some of these questions that we got on the call.
1: We're, we're really excited too. And uh, if you haven't viewed the webinar, I would highly recommend that you do. It's, it's, the recording is now available on forum, at our website, org forward slash webinar, forward slash past. And though, so the um, recording and the slides are actually both available and a list of resources that were shared by Farzana and Lisa. So, um, yeah, you should definitely do that maybe probably before continuing to listen to this <laughs> probably go um watch that i think that would be helpful um but did you um but uh unless there's some something else that you wanted to add farzana should we jump in
3: yeah, I could add that one element that we brought up were the different pillars of looking at resource groups. So where we're looking at the workforce, workplace, and marketplace aspects of it, as well as community. And we'll be using some of that language today as we describe the different questions, the answers to the questions that we received. I think it's also important to note that in addition to looking at the current times, is, is that we're in this time of transformational change. And so as we look at what that means for our organizations, it's really looking at how we can support our employees, how to put people first, how to create connections with community, and also how to do that all in alignment with our organizational objectives. So there's some finesse to it, and we hope that in answering the questions today that it'll uh, help demystify how that gets done.
1: Great. Thank you. Thanks so much for that overview. So let's go ahead and just get in. And the first question is about building ERGs. Uh, there are quite a few questions about that. Um, the question is, as a smaller organization with, um, without a talent and development team, do you have any advice on how we can develop a sustainable structure balanced on top of other roles and responsibilities?
3: Yes, we talked about how there are different types of resource groups. So there are affinity groups where people collectively come together around their demographic or identity uh, uh, um, background, and there's also employee resource groups where there's more of a connection with relationship to being employees at the company and business resource groups where people focus on corporate objectives and and really looking at how to draw connection with the bottom line. There is also this conception of diversity councils and and inclusion councils. And what inclusion councils can serve as is, is as an umbrella for these different types of communities and groups that can be really beneficial for a small organization. So if you have a smaller group, you may not have the critical mass to start an employee research group or a business research group. So an inclusion council could be a good way to to start off with a committee to look at diversity objectives. And that can be the the container to hold that conversation and and lead. Uh, For larger organizations, really how to start is to come together and see which leaders would be interested in forming a group looking at what support or sponsorship could come together and also support the group, and then really looking at a charter. And what I do when I advise uh, companies around this in, in my consulting work is to really get it down on paper. So that charter is somewhat a formality, but it's also a roadmap in order to help get those ideas down so that it can steer folks in the future with their leadership.
2: If I could chime in with an example, Ben, around, you know, we are a large organization, 10,000 strong across 24 states and have seven ERGs with several committees in different locations. Uh, But we recently launched a ERG around persons with disabilities called Abilities in Motion. And it was started by one person who had an interest and worked with the DE&I office around launching it. Unfortunately, that um, employee had to leave the company. And, and so then they had to garner more interest and get the word out and kind of rebuild and rebrand. And so, uh, you know, as an example, even in a large organization where we've had ERGs for four years or so, and they're very strong and some of our are close to BRGs, you know, it, it's, it's okay to start from the ground up and really just get the word out, garner that interest, and get people uh, that are passionate about this work, and then just provide them with a structure and an opportunity to, to create that. Um, but it does have to be you know, driven by the passion um, of the individuals that are interested, and then that structure is the support, usually from the DEI office.
1: Thank you for that. And speaking of passion and engagement, um, these next couple of questions are actually about engagement or on those lines. So um, the next question is, what are some ways of getting employees excited and involved in an organization's DEI work? Considering the fact that we all come from different generations, cultures, and backgrounds, also, how to bo- uh, boost ERG membership and leadership? Because typically, our ERGs are led by the same handful of dedicated employees.
2: Yeah, so from an engagement perspective, I think it's really important for us not to forget the ability and, and power of communication. So I would say really think about how you want to launch this, whether it's a campaign communication plan around, uh, you know, sending a, 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 a organizational email and have it come from senior leaders, um, having it posted uh, on stories and articles on your intranet, on your internal site, uh, you know, having signage and information in physical offices, although during COVID-19 that's going to be challenging, uh, but really having an opportunity to communicate that out. And then one of the things that um, we've done at Bank of the West in the past is have an open house. So we actually set a date and invite all of the ERGs to come and have a table. your traditional kind of job fair but it's, a, nice. it's an open house where you learn about the ERGs learn about their mission folks are there there's some giveaways uh, and branding and uh, representatives are talking about what you know the the purpose of their ERG is and there's an ability to you know have a sign up sheet and, and people that are interested and you can grow your membership as well as recruit members so it's a great way to engage and you can do that virtually I mean there's so many tools that uh, are available right from zoom and WebEx that you can engage in individuals, breakout sessions, et cetera. So, you know, I think it's really important to have a presence and reach in different ways, uh, but having that communication plan, whatever that is. Um, And then the other thing is if you want to kind of take a pulse and get people engaged and really say, you know, what programs are, what are people interested in? I would say you know definitely launch surveys. Uh, one of the key things is um, you know to uh, be really mindful of how you write those questions and not have them be leading questions as they've been um, you know positioned before. And then also make it anonymous because people I think will feel more comfortable sharing if their name is not linked to that particular comment. If they want to then you know share at the end any specific information or volunteer to help with some of these initiatives that come up, then you know you can allow that. But I think the uh, anonymity is really important.
1: Thank you. Farzana, you're nodding as though you're, yeah, okay, well, I I agree. (laughs) Um, So, uh,
3: I can add to that. I think that this is such a great framework, what Lisa was talking about, and in addition, just thinking about the identities of the different employees just around intersectionality and so someone for example who's a part of the LGTQ plus community may feel also alignment with the African American community and so if you did a joint collaborative event where both of those identities and more could be honored then you might find that folks will come out in full force and really feel that authentic self being portrayed and and mirrored back to them so that is another way to do it is through cross-cultural and uh, cross collaboration among ERGs. It also helps with budgets. <laughs> so then you can leverage multiple budgets for one event or, or or one program, and and that during these lean times is really important. Uh, another thing is really thinking about uh, you know in terms of what we're talking about that there can be some. Uh, uh, overlap of the same employees doing the work all, all the time, and they can be really dedicated. But there's also a need to really look at how we can build that pipeline of leadership and do some succession planning around who their ERG leaders are. And so thinking about that as the events are being planned and, and really kind of keeping an eye on who we see as bright lights and, and people who have a spark and and start starting to kind of fold them into the idea that they could be a leader and having a gateway, a pathway for that is really important. So I think it's also uh, attracting people, helping people understand how it can benefit their career, and then also having that pathway so they can continue to serve in that role.
1: Thank you. And this next one is very timely. Um, as far as keeping people engaged and um, especially in these current times we you know all three of us are recording this from our homes <laughs> because you know there's a pandemic <laughs> uh, I, you know we have a situation going on right now so how how the next question is I'd like to know how to keep groups engaged while working remotely
3: this is such a great question And I think that because we are in these current times, there's some creativity that we can have around how we can engage employees. One example I can give is that you may find that your employee research groups are based on region. So you have like a local chapter in a certain city and then across the country, there's another chapter. Now what we're seeing is that folks are joining together And so you're seeing this collaboration across chapters and more national events that are easily put on because they're virtual. Uh, So for example, uh, I was talking with an organization just this morning, and they have a really strong young professionals network, and they do a conference every year. And now it can be something that the leadership can spread across the country instead of it just being at HQ. So things like that are a real chance and opportunity just to connect geographically uh, together. And and for organizations, for companies that have a global presence, how about having some conversations globally just around the current times or anything that's on the mind of people. It's just such a great time to connect and really collaborate across the different sectors and, and geographic regions
2: yeah and adding on to that, I would agree, Farzana. It's just it, it, it's it's kind of the silver lining of where the situation that we're in and that we're opening it up and we're not uh, you know limiting it to those geographic. Um, you know, restrictions. Uh, you know, I, I mentioned Zoom and Webex and our company uses Webex and there's so many tools on there. I mentioned the breakout rooms. You can use a whiteboard. There's really an opportunity to engage as long as, you know, you have the script and, and you're just clear on what you want to cover on the calls. Yes, there's a lot of logistics that you have to do and prep um, from a technical perspective, but but I think it's so worth it. I can give you an example. In fact, we actually had Farzana Nayani um, as the keynote for our... Uh, Uh, API Heritage Month event that was going to happen in May. And so we started planning in like the February timeframe and then, you know, COVID hit. And so we actually said, okay, uh, feedback, people wanted to cancel or put it off at another, another time. And so we actually really said, I think it's important. For us to just make this a virtual event, so before it was, uh, you know, I guess forced on us, we said we're going to make it virtual. We're going to open it up, and I mentioned we are across 24 states. So this actually allowed us to have anyone who was interested and you know had the link can go and and join. Uh, in addition, we have a sister company in New York um, called CIB, and it opened it up for them to actually participate as well. And so we actually had a joint. Um, A.P.I. Heritage Month celebration and they had events and we had events. So we all kind of joined um, based on our availability. So it was really fantastic. And, you know, the feedback was that people really enjoyed the opportunity. Uh, I think the key also was uh, we had senior leaders there have give opening remarks as well as had them ask specific questions uh, so you could see the engagement and that leadership so I think there's lots of different ways like Farzana had mentioned being creative Uh, and then there's other fun things that you can do I mean I know that we've had um, uh, different themes so you could actually ask people you know to dress in a certain way or you know be reflective so that you can you know maybe uh, if it is an Asian heritage event uh, have people wear uh, their traditional uh, dress right or you know red is a very very symbolic color within the Asian culture. So you know you can definitely add different ways around engagement.
1: Um, so what is your recommendation for involvement of senior leadership in ERGs? Uh, we are struggling with wanting buy-in and institutional support from our senior leadership but want the ERG space to um, be one in which people are of all levels feel of the organization feel comfortable sharing their feelings and experiences, and sometimes senior leadership's presence might make that feel less safe?
2: Yeah, that's a great question. So if I can just start by saying, uh, DNI is not an HR thing, it's an organizational thing in that senior leaders are leading the organization, therefore their leadership and connection and presence is so vital. And so, you know, I think the more that senior leaders are engaged and the more that ERG leaders see them, it's gonna take that intimidation factor. Right. Um, also, allowing access to senior leaders, whether it's a coffee chat, uh, you know, or um, you know, having an ability to just have a Q and A with the the senior leaders, so they can t- take away that kind of um, ominous, untouchable, as opposed to they're just like us, right? They have the same uh, concerns as an individual. They're human, and so kind of taking away that unreachable and, and, and removing those layers, but having the ability for them to 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 connect. Uh, I think it's really important that they are uh, involved in not only as executive sponsors, but they are attending events. And they're engaged, they're participating, they're staying to the end. They're not just coming and shaking hands and leaving, right? They're actually in it. You know, they're taking photographs with people, they're talking to folks, they're networking, um, and they're asking the questions how can I support and help you, right? What resources, what visibility can I provide for you? Um, You know, one example I often mention is, you know, maybe you want to. create a project and you need a project manager so does that senior leader have budget to provide you know uh, um, a part-time project manager to lead that work because as we know we want to be careful ERG leaders this is volunteer for them and we don't want it to be their full-time job or for them to be burdened and so senior leaders have a lot of power and influence they just need to also be visible and then ERG leaders also need to continually engage them and let them know you know how they can help because sometimes if you don't tell them then and they don't know, then no work gets done, and so um, it's really important for that engagement. Um, the other thing that I would also mention is senior leaders um, need to reward and praise when DE and I work is done, especially around ERG work. Uh, you know, ensure that it's integrated in performance reviews. Uh, you know, ask uh, managers about that um, that their leaders are part of ERGs. They're either attending or they're members. Uh, you know, you can really, you know, create some accountability there and, and um, really drive those behaviors that you're looking for that's going to support ERGs.
3: I can add also that I think it's such a great point to support senior leaders by defining roles. In my consulting work that I do with organizations, I've seen that this is one of the major areas to clarify is to help crystallize the, the role for senior leaders. A lot of the time they're in support, but they don't know how they can help or it hasn't been mapped out for them. So really clarifying what that is and, and putting some milestones or goals or roadmap together so that they understand where they can play a role and fit in is really helpful. If it's around access or visibility or, or creating pathways for ERG leaders to do their work and, and what communication channels are available then they can do that. And, and as long as they're informed, that, then that's an opportunity. So that, that's another thing I would add in, in terms of engaging senior leaders. I think also uh, being strategic about which senior leaders are involved in the ERG. So sometimes the executive sponsors you choose could be someone of a different uh, demographic or affinity group uh, community in order to help support uh, cross demographic visibility. So for example, if you're a person from the Latinx group, you may want a leader who is a white man who can help uh, leverage and elevate the idea that, that, that uh, you have. Or for example, if you're uh um, LGBTQ plus member or senior leader, a leader, you may want a senior leader who's outside of that community who can also be an ally. So there's, there are different tactical ways that this can be done and ultimately it's really to have support from everybody uh, to be able to uh, really foster collective belonging and how the work gets done.
1: Thank you so much, that was very helpful. And you also gave me a great lead-in to my next question which is about allyship, um, <laughs> which is a very, uh, a very popular topic um, during the webinar. It's uh, also very um, more and more becoming more and more important in DEI work. It's actually one of the four pillars of the th- uh, the Forum's thirty third annual conference, um, uh, Workplace Revolution. So, um, but the question was for uh, for companies who are still mostly white, how would you start building uh, consciousness on? The subject, do you know of any organizations that ever that have ERGs that focus on allyship slash support of black employees or other um, groups of color
2: yeah i'll take that so what I like to talk about allyship it's one thing to say I stand in solidarity it's one thing for organizations to you know have words and, and make donations which which is great. But the question is, is it allyship in action? That's the term that I like to use, right? Are you sharing with individuals those things they can do when they're in a situation where there is uh, a comment that is made? And then what do you do, right, as a bystander? How do you navigate those situations? And I think that's so important is to give people tools and give them examples and really kind of break down the barriers. I think, you know, white allies are very concerned about, am I going to say the wrong thing? So me being a mixed, you know, cauca- white, Caucasian, uh, Asian female, I feel, you know, from an oppression perspective, it's female Asian, but then also I understand the privilege that I have, right? And, and the, the responsibility that I have to stand up and say something when something is, you know, a, a woman is in a meeting and, and talks about a brilliant solution, and then two minutes later, a white male says it, and he's praised, and people think it's the best thing since sliced bread, right? Well, I could say, well, didn't Janet just say this um, option? Or when Janet says, you know, for someone, my, myself or anyone else in the room to praise that, right, so that it's recognized. I mean, that's a, a very small example, but it happens at, all the time in organizations. And so how can individuals, you know, feel comfortable navigating that. So I think organizations can provide, um, there's allyship and then also bystander training as well as tools. I mean, it could be easy, is, is, you know, easy as one pager around what to do in situations. Um, so I think it's really important to recognize it's allyship and action, not just allyship, because uh, that's just a term that we, we can say uh, you know, re- regarding this. That's going to make an impact is the action.
3: And and to add, I love that in this question, the idea of consciousness raising came up because I think that we're focusing, for example, in organizations doing a lot of unconscious bias training. And if we do that, uh, we need to recognize that people are at different stages in the journey around talking about race and feeling comfortable around it, uh, facing the idea of privilege, access, fragility, power. Those are really powerful, huge concepts. And if we put everyone in the same room together, it can really be destructive. So a lot of the time, we do need to have affinity groups or or employee resource groups in our own communities to do the work. And so there are ways that we can have BIPOC groups that are separate than, let's say, white ally groups where white allies can support each other through uh, understanding race so it doesn't burden someone who's black, indigenous, or a person of color. And then there can be community group uh, time for BIPOC groups where they can really uh, share openly and not feel like there could be some repercussion for being open and honest about their authentic feelings. And an example I can give where this it comes together is the director of global uh, diversity and inclusion at Lenovo, uh, Seth Smiley Humphreys. He is self-identified as a white gay man, and his partner is African American. And what's interesting is he was able to show how he can be an ally. So he, with the Black Employee Research Group there, this is years ago, I've heard him speak about it, uh, would support the Black Employee Research Group, uh, maybe offer some opening remarks, and then he would leave the meeting. So it would show his allyship, show support from senior leadership, and then he would leave the space so they could actually talk uh, in community. And that is such a great example, I think, of how you can be present, but also uh, have the flexibility and the courage and, and the, the, the know-how of how to support um, from being an ally. So this is such a great question, and I, and I encourage all organizations to look at how that can be utilized through inclusion councils and then also the ERG separately.
1: Thank you. And those are great answers. And yeah, and I, I mean, like I said, we, there's been a lot of ally our talk about allyship and DEI lately. And also, I mean, just not to throw my own two cents in there, but also just keep, we were just had a training about just how everyone can be an ally because everyone has some kind of privilege that then they can, you know, that, you know, I'm a, I'm a black male, but I still have male privilege and can speak up for a, A female in the room like you mentioned Lisa like who threw out a great idea but was ignored and then praised when it came from a man so um, yeah well so thank you for that and again I'm so glad we're being able to have this follow-up conversation I think it's gonna be so helpful for all those people who are on and not able to get their answers and yeah just to continue this great conversation Um, so the next next question is a little bit more technical it's, um, it's uh, more about around business strategy. Um, how do we engage HR and leadership to ensure our actions will remain within company objectives and boundaries?
2: That's a great question. And it is really important for ERGs and the work they do to be integrated in the business strategy, or rather the business strategy be integrated into the goals and the focus of ERGs, right? It's going to ensure viability and growth of ERGs. Uh, It's also going to create a focus for ERGs. Um, it's going to uh, paint a clear picture of what that value proposition of having ERGs in this community in a company. Uh, you know, it's important to measure so by creating those goals that are aligned to business goals then you can then measure it and track it as you're going through so that at the end of the year it's very clear around ERG accomplishments again that are impacting and supporting those overarching goals of the business so i'll give you an example from a talent perspective Uh, often ERGs are tapped to partner with recruiting to bring in more diverse talent and, uh, you know, so they can attend different events as brand ambassadors and talk to individuals about their experience and share the inclusive culture as well as their, uh, the reason why they're at, uh, for example, a company. Then at the end of the year, uh, the ERGs can talk about. All right, we had gone to X amount of events, and we have talked to X amount of candidates. And by the way, you know these many folks applied, and these many people were hired, Uh, and these many folks are in the pipeline. For example, right. And so it's actual numbers and quantitative information that they can then share. So. When we talk about budgets at the upcoming year, they can be really clear on that value proposition that I mentioned earlier, and just have a, a clear understanding of the results that were produced.
3: And I'd like to tie it back into the drivers and pillars that we had talked about in the webinar. So just looking at workforce, which is what Lisa talked about around talent, and, and uh, you know, recruitment, promotion, retention, that's a huge one. So that's a, a strategic business imperative. And then the workforce, I mean workplace, so we're looking at uh, the organizational environment, organizational culture, especially during these current times, employee morale, uh, inclusion, equity, that's a huge part also of this. And as we talk about marketplace, so looking at the products we have, which are now pivoting due to the current times, how is that also accessible and, and something that the, the public wants? Uh, and any communication messaging around it is, is very important right now. And ERG leaders and members can give input on that before things are uh, you know, published publicly. And then what we were talking about around community is really looking at that employee engagement and how people can support the community through various initiatives. So there are so many ways that organizations can align with their strategic business imperative these are things that can go in the annual report at the end of the year. These are things that shareholders and, and customers are interested in knowing about and can really fuel that uh, you know loyalty and commitment to the company and really make the brand stand out. And more importantly, like what we're talking about, it's really looking at how we're serving people. So the people are at the heart of this and, and how can we serve both the public and also our employees during these current times. So all of those things are so important and fold into each other in terms of what's strategically so important for the business that it's really important to have a bird's eye view while we're doing stuff on the ground and then plan for that within our ERG planning as we plan for programs and events throughout the year.
1: Great, thank you so much. I am once again in that unenviable position of having to say that this is our last question. Um, and but it, I think this is a, also a very great question. Before again, before I ask this question, I just want to thank you both again for being here and for um, agreeing to continue with and do this interview. Um, so our last question is about higher education. Um, I am here I'm here from the field of education for an organization that acts as a district and a service agency supporting our central office divisions and staff that work in the schools. From your experience, have secondary educational institutions been successful with ERGs?
3: This is such a great question. I think it's important to look at education as a whole and then post-secondary and secondary education So what we've seen, uh, what I've seen in the work that I do with school districts and higher education is that there can be affinity groups. And and sometimes they're called caucuses. So it can look like in the form of if you have an educational conference, that there's a caucus for a certain demographic group, like let's say, uh, the Latinx Students Association, right? Or for example, if on campus, and let's say this is for a secondary school, there are a group of multiracial students who want to come together. And I've mentored a few of these where there's a sponsor teacher that can serve as that sponsor for the group. And that sponsor teacher can be uh, of that group. So perhaps they're multiracial themselves. Or what I've seen also is that maybe they're a parent of a multiracial child, and so they have familiarity for it. So it can look like all kinds of ways. And I've actually also seen that group uh, invite parents. So it's really fun to see what can emerge from opening this up, that caucus or that affinity group. And I think that in education, it's something we should push because there is so much intersectionality. There are a lot of uh, convening around conferences and events and, and just on campus, how important it is to be seen and heard. So, uh, you know, if you have a, a, a student's association of, of certain demographics, but you're lacking another one, you really need to look at that. Um, because otherwise it'll feel like it's exclusionary and then you're favoring certain students over others. So it's great to have a pulse as to what the students are asking for and then really think about the structure. And everything we've talked about about employee research groups in organizations can apply, just uh, you know, tweaking it and customizing it for the educational sphere.
1: I know i've said it a lot but thank you for um um, to both of you for coming back and for the initial uh, the initial webinar and for coming back and doing this interview um if you are as our listener haven't viewed the webinar yet, um, I again highly recommend doing that. Go to forumworkplaceinclusion.org forward slash webinars forward slash past to view this recording and the slides and the resources that they were gracious enough to share. Um, and if you'd like to learn more uh, about ERGs, please feel free to contact either Farzana or Lisa directly. You can contact Farzana at farzana at nayani.com or um, also just visit www.farizananayani.com or um, find her on LinkedIn. You can also f- um, contact Lisa at lisa.strack at bankofthewest.com or, or also on LinkedIn. Um, new episodes of, our, of the podcast are also uh, now available. Visit the um, forum workplaceinclusion.org slash podcast to listen. Um, You can also find our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and Anchor. Thank you again for listening, and we hope you'll be joining us for future podcasts. Have a great day.
0: Thank you again for listening to the Forum and Workplace Inclusion podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast to get updates and the latest episodes. Also, tell us what you think by reviewing our podcast. We'd love to hear your feedback. For more information, visit us at forumworkplaceinclusion.org or search Workplace Forum on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Thank you very much and have a great day. The Forum on Workplace Inclusion podcast is recorded at Augsburg University in Minneapolis, Minnesota. One of the most diverse private colleges in the Midwest, Augsburg University offers more than 50 undergraduate majors and nine graduate degrees to 3,400 students of diverse backgrounds at its campus in the vibrant center of the Twin Cities and nearby Rochester, Minnesota location. Augsburg educates students to be informed citizens, thoughtful stewards, critical thinkers, and responsible leaders. An Augsburg education is defined by excellence in the local arts and professional studies, guided by the faith and values of the Lutheran Church, and shaped by its urban and global settings. Learn more at augsburg.edu.